So it's here to, fun to hear some stories and to see how couples handle different situations in life. And we're in the series called Holy Matrimony. Well, this past week, I heard a story about a woman who went to go see a lawyer. She was uh, not happy with her marriage, and she was wanting to get a divorce. And so the, the lawyer asked, the, asked the, the woman, he's like, well, you know, do you have any grounds? And she's like, well, we live, uh, we live on five acres, a little bit on the outskirts of town. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, do you have a grudge? He's like, no, we don't have a grudge. We have a, a, a wide carport and, uh, and, a, and a shed out back. She's like, no, let me, let me ask you another way. Do you, do you have any complaints about your husband? And she's like, she's like what? And he said, you know, does he, ever, does he ever beat you up? She's like, no, I'm up at least an hour before him every, every single day. At this point, the lawyer's just getting really, really frustrated, and he's saying, like, well, what, what's, the, what's the problem here? What, what's really going on? Do you, do you, do you, um, let, let's focus on you for a second. Do you ever wake up grouchy? It's like, no, 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 when he's in a bad mood, I just let him sleep as long as he can. It's like, finally, lawyer, all right. Tell me why it is that you want to get a divorce. She's like, well, the guy just can't communicate. (laughs) So we need to talk about communication. Today we're going to be in part two of our series, Holy Matrimony, and we're going to talk about holy conversation. We're going to look at communication. Communication is a huge issue and challenge and opportunities in marriage. We're in the series called Holy Matrimony, and, and what we understand is, and our goal in all of this is how do we experience marriage that can be both whole and holy? And now you don't have to be married to, to have this series have an impact on you because we're around marriages, and, and statistics show that about 75% of adults at one time in their life will be married, um, and so there's a part of that. And even if you uh, just want to understand what God's Word says about marriage, like we've been saying and began last week, that the definition of marriage is reserved for God. He defines marriage and what it is and through his word. And so we look at that and say, God, how can you teach us? But even as we look at marriage, and, and, and we began last week as understanding that this is a holy, holy union that God creates, that there's these aspects of, of leaving, joining, and uniting. We talked about that last week, that how do the two become one? How is God a part of that? And creates this new bond and this new relationship that that becomes the most primary relationship in our society and in our relationships. And God creates that to be a a holy place, a place where he does some of his most amazing work. And we recognize that there's a lot of challenge in marriage. And couples struggle through different things, but we understand how important it is. We talk about the difference between a covenant and a contract. That marriage isn't just a contract. It's not just, you know, I'm in it as long as you meet these responsibilities. No, it's a covenant. I will even if you don't, I'm covenanting to you. I am committing myself to you till death do us part. And what we understand is that if we want God to make, uh, if we want our marriages whole and holy, God needs to be front and center in those marriages. And so how does God become a part of our lives and our marriages in that way? But today we're gonna, we're gonna shift to, um, in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna get really practical. Some real challenges that, that couples face. And here's the thing, it's not just couples. What we're going to learn in the next several weeks about communication, about how do we fight fair and forgive, and how do we express love, that's going to have application to relationships beyond marriage. So I think we're all going to be able to grow and learn from this. Well, the number one issue that we want to deal with today is, is, is what we want to deal with, the number one challenge in marriages. Statistics show here that the most common factors that lead to divorce, here are, here are two from a, a survey conducted by Your Tango. It's the number one issue is communication problems. Number one issue in, that leads to divorce. Second is the inability to resolve issues. So these are the two things we're going to talk about the next, next couple of weeks. 
How do we have good communication? And how do we resolve issues? If these are the number one and number two things, we want to deal with those. Doctors Les and Leslie Parrott, they, they have written books, and isn't that interesting? Their names are Les and Leslie as a couple. And they lead marriage seminars, have written some great books. A book called, one of the books uh, I was looking through this past week called Love Talk. Here's what they say. Study after study indicates that improving your communication increases the quality of your relationship more than anything else you do. Communication, the single most important factor, single most important contributor, study after study, show this. Here's another stat. 97% of couples who rate their communication as excellent are happily married. That's a high correlation. Versus 56% of couples who rate their communication as poor. So communication and connection are so related. And this is true with every relationship that we have. When communication breaks down, whether that's between friends or couples or parents or siblings, when communication breaks down, the connection breaks down, the relationship breaks down. If communication is, is shallow, the relationship's going to be hollow. But if that connection and that communication deepens, so does that relationship. And so we want to look at what does that mean? How do we experience that deeper connection? When I think back to when I first met, met Shannon, we were in, in college at Anderson University, a great school connected to our uh, movement of churches in, in Indiana. And one of their programs is a missions program. And so they send students all over the, the world. And we went to Costa Rica and didn't know Shannon before that time. We, we, we met as part of that missions team. And one of the things that I remembered most about connecting with Shannon that just stood out for me was just how easy it was for us to talk. It just seemed like we could spend hours just talking about anything and everything, and, and we spent a lot of time together getting to know each other during that time, and the conversation just flowed. It was easy. And even during our, our dating time, you know, we'd go out, we'd spend time together, and we could just talk and talk. And a lot of couples experience that when they're dating, when they're getting to know each other, because communication is how we get to know somebody else, right? That's, that's, what you get to, that's how you learn. That's how you discover but as soon as, you know, but we got married, and, um, and what happens during marriage? Life happens. You've got careers, you've got jobs, you've got a house to take care of, finances to manage, toilets to unclog, diapers to change, cars to fix, bills to pay, you're right, vacations and futures to plan, all kinds of stuff that, that, that comes up in marriage. And so you end up having a lot of conversation, but it tends to be a lot about these kinds of things. And you're dealing with life. And, and, and I remember times where Shannon and I, when we had the four girls at home and we, were, we, were, we had just la uh, launched a church, and that was just consuming in our life. And so when we would have a chance to, to go out or we'd, we'd drive in the car, sometimes Shannon would say, like, you can only talk about church for like 15 minutes and then no, no more, right? Or we'd say, we can't talk about church or kids. Those were the two big things in our life. And so we'd make that agreement and we'd drive. And you know how, how our conversation went? Every first thing I wanted to say, everything was like, it, it revolved around some of the things of life in that way. And you realize there's more to life. And sometimes we get to these places in life where all we seem to talk about in our relationships is how to take care of the logistics, how to take care of tactical things, and how to manage the home and the money and the kids. And, and we don't get to know each other at a deeper level. Now, I'm thankful that over the years, we've continued to carve out time and space where we talk, and even, even today when we're like in, in, in our front room and we're sitting in the chairs or we're at the dining room table and we just have some conversation, the kids will come in and they're like, oh, mom and dad are talking, right? They just know there's, there's time. There's space reserved for those communication moments and to really have that chance to dive deeper. So we look at communication and, and, and we look at 
marriage, and we talk about all kinds of things, but sometimes when we only talk about the logistical stuff, we don't get to some of the deeper issues, some of the deeper concerns, maybe some past hurts. How do you deal with, um, even as you talk about politics and you talk about life and situations, how do you agree about things that, in, in the way you're approaching life? How do you dream together for the future? What does that look like? And how do you have conversations where you're talking about things that you're struggling with and, and, and issues that you're having? Right, those deeper level conversations where you get to know each other and dream about the future and have romantic talk, all these different types of things. Husbands and wives, men and women, we typically do have different communication styles and different communication approaches and different things in marriage that, that make communication more challenging. There's a husband who, who said to his wife, he was proud of this research that he'd seen, so he called her in the other room. He said, "Hun, did you know that scientists have found that women speak 20,000 words a day and men only 10,000? She yells from the other room, that's because we have to repeat everything twice, you blockheads. And he's like, what? Um, but the causes of communication break down in marriage. Here's the difference between men and women. Men, men have rate these as a top two. Number one, blaming, nagging, and complaining. 70% is what men struggle with with the communication breakdown. And second is lack of sufficient appreciation. Kind of almost see those two together. It's like, I'm not doing well enough. I'm not, I can't ever handle things enough. And you're not showing the appreciation. And it's just like I'm not being valued in, in this way. Women, number one, reason for communication breakdown, a lack of validation for feelings and opinions. Number two, spouse talks about himself too much. And my interpretation of that is not interested enough in me. What I say, my opinion, my feelings, who I am, what I'm dealing with is not important enough to you. It's always about you and what you're dealing with, right? And so these are the number one kind of breakdown that where we're in relationship, the communication kind of comes to a halt. And all of a sudden there's a divide there. And when we're not healthy in the way that we communicate, we start taking different approaches to our communication. And then maybe it's one of those where you get very aggressive, right? And you get into attack mode. When you've been hurt and you've been hurt, and then all of a sudden it's like you lash out. Others, maybe you're, maybe you're one who withdraws. All of a sudden, you're, you're, you're dealing with stuff, and your way is just to leave, to shut the door, to go to another room, to leave the house, and just to not talk about it and to bottle it up. Sometimes it's, uh, it's just withdrawing emotionally and pulling back. There's different ways in our communication that are just not healthy. And so what do we want to talk about today is what are some ways that we see through Scripture, the way that God wired us, the way he designed us to have healthy and whole communication so I want to talk about that today because there is a way forward. So one of the first things I want to just call out, and I think we all understand, is that our words are powerful. Our words are incredibly powerful. I think we underestimate the power of our words. Proverbs 18.21, and we're going to have several verses, Proverbs and James, some great advice about communication and talking. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The power of life and death, meaning the fruit, you're going to receive the consequences, positive and negative. Within your mouth is the power to bring life and death. That's a, that's a pretty weighty thing to talk about our words, isn't it? And the reality is, some of us are killing our partners with our words. We're taking the life out of our relationship. We're sucking it out of them by the words that we use, the way we say it, the things we say. There's death there. 
But on the positive side, there's, there's life that can be spoken through our words, that can be encouraging, that can be upbuilding and uplifting in so many different ways. How do we hold and handle our tongue? It's a challenge. James talks about this. The controlling of the tongue is so difficult. James 3.6 says, it can set your whole life on fire. And maybe some of you look at your life and some of it's burning and your relationship is burning, maybe with your spouse or maybe with your kids or with friends. And maybe some of the, the cause of that is the way in which you've used words. And here's the craziness with our words. James 3, 9, and 10. Sometimes our tongue, it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Come on, I know, we've all been there. We're in church, we're just saying praises to God. And what can happen on the car ride home? (laughs) Right? Sometimes it doesn't even take long. We're just in church together. We're praising God. We're, we're learning these things and then to put it into practice. And sometimes right in our own home, with those relationships closest to us, we reserve some of our harshest words and language. Does anyone experience that? Am I talking with anybody that relates? Right? Sometimes we, 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 we handle other relationships better than the ones we do in our own home. And so what I want to talk about is how do we have the kind of conversation that leads to deeper connection? that leads to sharing of feelings, that leads to being known and knowing the other person. So I want to look at four practices of holy conversations. And by holy conversations, I don't mean like, oh, we only speak of the things of the Lord, right? Holy conversation, remember, holy is set apart. This relationship of marriage is holy to God. We want to be pleasing to him. Holy, it's special. It's set apart from other relationships. And this relationship ought to have the space to have rich and meaningful interactions and conversations. So how do we have these four practices of holy conversation? The first part is this, of the four practices, is assertiveness. This is expressing your feelings and asking for what you want. This seems easy enough and go, oh yeah, I'm assertive. Well, sometimes you mistake assertiveness for aggressiveness. This is not aggressiveness. I tell you what I want. <laughs> no, no. So many times in marriage, what happens is we're not sure that it's a safe space to share what we want. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm not happy about. But I don't know how to say it, so, so I just don't say it at all. And, it, and what happens inside, it just builds up, doesn't it? It just keeps building up. Or we don't know how to express it appropriately. And so we lash out or we're aggressive. And so this can be such a cause for, for marriage problems. And what begins to happen when we're, when we're in poor communication like this, we make assumptions. If we're not assertive enough, Sometimes we just, we don't say what we want, and what do we do? We expect our spouse to just know what we want. We expect, you should know what I want. You should know what I feel. You know me well enough, friend. I shouldn't have to say this anymore. No, 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 you should. You really should. You really do need to say what's going on. Our spouse is not a mind reader. We can't see what's going on. Assertiveness is able to say, here's what I want. Here's what I feel. Here's what I need, and to be able to say it in a good way, and we'll talk about that in a moment. You think about Jesus, who... You know, he met with the woman at the well. We read the story, and he knew things about her life and, and her marriage. So God, he had this knowledge of people and situations. Jesus didn't really have to have conversation with anyone. He could have just said, I already know everything that's going on. He could have made all kinds of assumptions, and for him, they probably wouldn't have even been assumptions. But there's this encounter where he encounters a, a, a blind man, and he's been healing and doing all kinds of things, and he could have made the assumption, oh, you're blind. You obviously want me to heal you, but you know what Jesus did? He asked him, he says, what do you want me to do for you? 
He still wants to know, what do you want me to do for you? He, he wants us to tell him, just like in marriage, we need to say, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? How do you feel? And we have to be able to communicate that. Again, even in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus says, how do you talk to your heavenly Father? He said, this is how you should pray. And, and one of the things he says is, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, what do you need? Tell him, Lord, I need my daily bread. Father, forgive us. Don't lead us into temptation. Be clear. That's what communication is, good assertiveness. And, and, and part of the way that assertiveness works is that we focus on, on I statements. And this is, I know you're kind of going, this is like a counseling course, right? But it's important. You focus on I statements. So many times with assertiveness, we want to attack. It's not about attacking the other person. It's being able to say, here's me. Here's who I am. Here's what, what I need. Right? If you're, if you're struggling with, with housework and you feel like all the housework is, is falling on you, it's so easy to, to lash out and say, you, you know, use the you always, you never statements. You never help me. You always sit around. All you ever do, right? It's these broad statements. And you don't see me slaving over here. This is ridiculous. You're so lazy. Now you've talked about, right? I'm being assertive. Are you being assertive? I'll let you know what's going on. You're being lazy. You're not helping. No, no, no. Assertiveness, healthy communication says, you know what? When you, when you sit on the couch and, and you're not doing things we've agreed to, and I'm slaving away, I'm working hard, that really lets, makes me feel isolated. It makes me feel like you're not in this together with me. And I carry the weight of that responsibility. Can we talk about this sometime? It's still a hard conversation, but it's diffusing. It's not an attacking. You're this. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm observing. This is what I need. And that's an assertive approach to being able to speak what we need. But again, assertiveness is not aggressiveness. Saying what you feel and what you need. How can you express it? The second part is the flip side of this is kindness and respect. How we speak matters. Right? That's the critical part. Kindness and respect. Look at Proverbs. A couple of verses here. 1624. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Gentle words are a tree of life, Proverbs 15:4. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Kind words, gentle words. And let's be honest, how many times in our marriage have, has a harsh word, rough words, rude words has been spoken that just cut down? You know what that's like. But a gentle word spoken, the tone, the manner in which we communicate makes all the difference. Psalm 141.3 says, and maybe this is one that we should all have written somewhere, set a guard over my mouth, Lord, Keep watch over the door of my lips. What we say, what, we, what comes out, right? Life or death, gentleness, harshness, anger. And as I said earlier, sometimes I think in the, in the relationships that we're closest to, we let our guard down the most. Sometimes we would, we would speak to our, our wife or to our kids or to your husband in a way you wouldn't speak to a boss or a coworker or a neighbor. And yet this is the relationship that God has called us to nurture. So how do we pepper and... and our conversation with gentleness and kindness and respect. Because how we speak and what we say matters. And it's not just our words, right? Communication goes a lot of different ways. Body language, right? That's another way we communicate. So are, are you paying attention? What, what's, what are you communicating with the way that you're interacting? Are you always on your phone and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm paying attention, but get, get out of the way. The TV's on. But you communicate through different ways, through written notes, through texts, through, through cards, through phone calls. There's different ways that you can express that. 
I remember like going through my bills and opening, you know, paying things before most things were automated, but still like sometimes Shannon will leave a note in my drawer and says, hey, I really appreciate you taking care and looking after our finances. You know, finding that little note on a post-it note or on a card. Those little things, man, you just eat those things up, right? And you can bring life and breathe life by those words and the way that you share them, the kindness. And then respect. What does respect look like? Respect honors that relationship, that God created this relationship apart from others, that, that, I, that, that, if, that if I'm not respectful to my spouse, I'm not respectful to myself. Because if we are one in marriage, then I ought to be talking to my partner because we are one in this, and God has set this aside, and, and how I respond is really a reflection of my heart. It's a reflection of my faith. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18? He said, but the words you speak, where do they come from? They come from the heart. And so we get these insights, right, as, as spouses, especially in these close relationships on what's really going on on the inside. And if we want to honor God and respect him, it's that we've been transformed and how we speak is really a reflection of what's going on inside of us. How do we speak with kindness and respect, with gentleness? So assertiveness, that's the, again, saying what I not want, what I need, what I feel, but I'm doing that in a kind and respectful way. Now we know from communication, it's not just a one-way street, right? Communication takes two-way street. And while we think about communication as in what do I say, how do I say it, and that's all very important, that's why we talked about that, the flip side of it is it's listening, right? And so I want to talk about this right now, active listening. This is the third important piece and practice. Active listening, seeking first to understand. James 1.19, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. How are we doing with that? Do we tend to get this one backwards? Right? What are we supposed to be quick to do? What are we supposed to be slow to do? I think we tend to be quick to speak. Let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what I think, what's on my mind. We're quick to speak. We're, we're, we're quick to get angry. And we're really slow to listen. And you say, no, no, no. You've got to be slow to listen. That's the first part. Take that in. And then, I mean, you've got to be quick to listen. Now, listen slowly. You've got to be quick to listen. That's got to be the first thing. And slow to speak. There's a Stephen Covey who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I love the way he says this. He says, seek to understand before being understood. We always want to be understood first. Understand me, understand me. And we don't take the time to understand the other person. Seek to understand what's going on. And that's where active listening really comes into play. See, we're really good at passive listening. Passive listening is we're hearing sound waves coming into our ear. <laughs> Right? We're busy watching the TV and so, you know, your spouse says something and you're like, yeah, I think I got it or maybe I didn't, I don't know. We're hearing, but we're not listening. We're not understanding. We're not taking it in. We're hearing a conversation just long enough to make an assumption. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah I, I got it. I got it. I know what you're going. I, I, I know what you mean. Do you really? Are you sure? What's the assumption? That's, a, that's quick listening. That's not, being, that, that, that's not slowing down enough to really take that in. What are you hearing? What do you need to, 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 to process? See, what I think happens so much in conversations, and, and I've been guilty of this way too many times, is while the other person is talking, I'm listening, but maybe you're like me. What are you doing? You're formulating your response in your head, right? So you're listening, but in your mind you're going, okay, here's what I'm going to say next. Here's how I'm going to respond. Here's the answer to that. And so now you're listening, but what are you really listening for is you're listening for someone to take a breath. <gasps> And there's your moment. I'm listening. I'm listening for the moment where I can interject. I'm listening for the moment where I can respond. That's not listening. 
That's just listening so that you can speak and, and, and share more. We need to learn active listening. Listening where it's something where we're doing. This is a practice. It's not just a passive thing where I'm hearing. Active listening is really seeking to understand. I want to understand. I want to know what's going on. And so active listening, what that does, it slows down the pace of the conversation. If you've ever been to a counselor and somebody, or somebody who's been trained and really knows how to listen well, you'll share something that's going on, and then you'll be done, and, and maybe you're used to people responding right away, and the counselor might just go, hmm, wow, wow, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. So you're saying you're, you're really struggling with, do you see how the pace is so different? The counselor isn't going, okay, you're done. Now let me tell you what you need to do. Now I, I know, I know, I got it. I think I told, I got it. Here's what's going on. No, it slows the pace down, but we don't do that enough in our conversations and relationships. We formulate the response. We have the advice, but active listening slows down and says, you know what? My job right now is to really understand is to understand what is the issue, what's the situation, and the hard part is especially when we don't agree, right? When what we're hearing is something we don't agree with, when we don't like what's being said, or we just think you've some, the person's got it all wrong, then we get defensive, we want to correct it right away. There's a chance to do that, right? There's a give and take in relationship and conversation. But first, it's seek to understand, slow down enough and listen. Really understand. I just want to make sure before I respond that I'm understanding this right. Active listening asks really good questions. Active listening just asks questions more than making statements. When you're actively listening, you're, you're doing those follow-up questions. Tell me a little bit more. I don't understand. Help, help me see this a little bit more clearly. Did I get that right? Am I understanding that right? Maybe you look at a situation and, and one of the, you know, the spouse feels like, um, you know, marriage and family is just all-consuming and, and it's been, it, even which it is, but as far as the spending time, like going on dates with a husband, spending time with kids, and, 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 and maybe the wife feels like, I just don't have enough time just for myself. I just need some me time. Any, any moms out there ever feel that way? Just a hypothetical example? No? Okay, right? <laughs> Somebody just needs some me time, some alone time. There's just, I'm always on, right? And, and what can happen if that isn't communicated in a healthy way? It just starts boiling up and starts bubbling up to the point of like, oh, I never get any time by myself. Oh, you, you just care about yourself. You don't ever, you look about, you, you know, care for the family. What about my needs? And it's just, it's just a, a lashing out. Now you step back with assertiveness and you just, you might say, you know, hon, I enjoy spending time together with you and going on dates and I enjoy my family time, but you know what, I also feel like my life's a little bit out of balance and I just need some time for myself. Can we find a way that I can find some time for myself? Notice how it's about me. That, again, that's that assertiveness, being able to say what I want and what I need. Now, if you're not good at active listening, and if you're the husband maybe in that moment, you're going, what are you saying? Our dates aren't fun enough? We just went on a great date last night. We've done all kinds of fun stuff with the kids. Man, you had like 30 minutes this morning before going to work. Wasn't that enough? Right? What, it, you quickly try to point things out. You're defensive versus saying, wait, help me understand. Right now you're feeling really out of balance. You feel like things just, you just don't need to have enough time. What, what's going on? Right? It's asking questions. It's, it's listening and leaning in. When somebody really listens, doesn't that feel great? Have you ever been around a really good listener? It's just like, I feel like they, they want to know what's going on. They hear me. I think especially, again, as couples in a marriage, if your spouse and you can communicate in such a way where there's this pace and you really feel heard and listened to, that's a powerful thing. Active listening. 
Now, you might be thinking, all right, well, that just feels kind of fake, and we don't want to be all like, well, when, I, when you do this, I feel that. Let me see. Let me understand. And you're like, ah, come on, that just doesn't feel real. Well, let me get to the heart behind it, because that may give you a better motivation. And that's this fourth part. It's empathy. It's really about empathy, and empathy is walking in someone's shoes. Walking in someone's shoes. Romans 12:1 says this. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. It doesn't say be happy with those who are happy when you're happy too. It doesn't say only weep with those who weep when you're weeping too. It says, no, when they're that, even if if somebody's weeping and you're happy, you come and you enter their sadness. You enter that place. You try to understand what's going on. What does that feel like? How, 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 how would that be being in your shoes? We don't make assumptions like, oh, you know, I, you know I, I once went through that too. I know exactly what you're dealing with. Have you ever heard that? You might say, I went through something similar and, and there's some things that I can maybe relate to, but help me understand more versus I made, I, I made the assumption I already know. No, no, no. Empathy is I want to understand. And think about that as a husband and a wife. Think about that in a close relationship you have. Do you really want to understand and get to know the other person? It's empathy. What's it like living in your shoes? And as I read this book, uh, Love Talk, that I mentioned earlier from Doctors Less and Leslie Parrott, there's an exercise that they uh, encourage. And the exercise is this. It's imagine an entire day in your spouse's shoes. Seems simple enough. You kind of go, oh, yeah, I know what my spouse does during the day. But what they suggest is, is take at least like 10 minutes for this. Even take some time if you can to write th- things down, but literally from the moment you go, go through their day as best you can, think about a normal day, and walk through each of those elements of the day. And I gotta say, I, I, I did this. I was like, all right, I'm gonna slow down enough. I'm gonna think about Shannon's day. From the moment she wakes up, what would it be like waking up on her side of the bed? And what would it be like to think, wake up and think, what's happening that day? What do I have to do in her mind, right? How she, what's she thinking about the kids? What's she thinking about getting ready? What's she thinking about her job number one and job number two? And then all these things. And I went through kind of the course of the day. And then you think through that. What must it be like at work? What must it be like when she gets home and has these demands? What must it be like to see me coming through the door if she's home before me? What would she need to hear? What would she like to hear? What's going on in her, in her head? What would it be like to go back and get ready for bed and next to me again? And you start thinking through these things, and then you start going, man, sometimes I'm a jerk. <laughs> man, sometimes I don't really understand and just think that's okay. And I told her the other day, I'm like, wow, like I can't imagine like coming home, and then you're still dealing with this with the kids, and now you're still trying to make dinner, and then I come home, and when the food's ready, and like I sit down at the table because that's when I'm done, and she's home, and, and going, what would she need? And how tired must she be at the end of the day? And having some time after dinner to go, don't touch any of the dishes, don't do anything, you're done. Like, take a break, right? But it helps us when we enter into that other person's shoes. And so I think that might be just a great thing to think about, or vice versa, right? Think about, again, your husband, your wife. What are the demands on their job at work and at home? So empathy develops. And what happens is when somebody feels like they understand us, both through their words and really listening, it creates that bond, it creates that connection, and we feel safe. So if you want to practice now holy conversation, put some of this stuff into practice, here's a couple things. First off is this, create undistracted time and space. That's the first thing I would say. If you want conversation, create undistracted time and space. Top three things, turn off your phone, turn off the TV, turn off your kids if you have kids at home. Those are top three distractions. A good conversation is not with your phone on. Your phone is off, it's on silent, it's away, it's not something you look at, you're not having a half conversation while you're scrolling. There's no TV on the background, you're not at a sports bar or at a restaurant where you're, you know, your spouse is sitting here and the TV is right behind them. 
right? It's not just a couple minutes where the kids are. No, you're going to have conversation and you're going to create time and space. This is part of that focus that, that you matter. I'm dialed into you and to nothing else. That is critical. Create undistracted time and space. Second, listen to really understand. We've talked about this, right? You're not just listening to respond. You're not just listening to say what you've got going on, but I'm listening to understand. And then the other side of that, number three, be assertive. You say what you want. You express how you feel. And here's the thing I would say, too. Like, don't have a conversation and bring like eight things you want to talk about, <laughs> right? Focus on one thing. What's something we can talk about? Let's dive a little bit deeper. Let's create some space and let's really talk about it. We've been struggling with our finances lately. Let's, let's set some time aside of talk about finances, how we spend money, how we save money, what we're going to do, what are our plans. Let's talk about that. You know, we're struggling with our son or our daughter in this issue. Let's talk about how we're going to handle that. Let's create some time and space. Whatever the issue is, and then you share. You listen, you really understand, and then, as I said earlier, you show kindness and respect. Your tone. Think about your tone. Think about the pace of the conversation. Right, if you're really listening to it's a slower paced conversation. It's the listening, pausing. When a conversation starts being volleying back and forth, typically it's not one where there's a lot of listening and understanding going on. It's a lot of, I just want to get my side out. Healthy communication coming together. And I think too, just the power if, if, if there's struggle or if you're making some decisions is just to slow down enough and to pray together. It's just to say, you know what? All right, God, we need some wisdom. We need your guidance. We need you a part of this. Help us, guide us, lead us in that. That's a holy conversation. It's a, and, and some couples may struggle to pray. That's an uncomfortable. I don't know how to do that. Just acknowledge it then. Let that be one of those assertive things. <laughs> I, I'm not comfortable praying together, but I want to learn how to do that. Let's figure it out. I'll just try. I'll go first, or you go first. Let's just do that. And you have these moments where you just really invite God into your relationships. I think about the conversations that you have. And that we have, whether it's, again, with our marriage or with somebody else, after you've had a conversation, this is a good barometer, after you've had a conversation, do you feel more or less supported? You've had the conversation, do you feel like you've made progress forward? And that's where a lot of couples break down in the communication. I have this conversation, we addressed it, but things just went backwards. You want your burdens to be shared. Like, I shared this issue, and now I feel like my spouse can help me carry that. They know it, they understand what's going on, and you feel a lightness. And that's a beautiful part of bringing relationships closer together. When we practice these things, we feel more encouraged. We feel more spiritually lifted up. We feel like we're in this together. We feel like we're known. We feel like we're cared for. And so these are some practices that I really encourage us to, to, to do. Because as, as I said earlier, our marriages will never be whole until we allow God to make them holy. God, come into this. Speak this into my words, into my thoughts, the things that I'm saying. You know, as I was thinking about this, you know, God models this for us through Jesus Christ. If, if communication is essential to connection, how does God communicate with us? How does he create that connection with us through Jesus Christ? And I thought about that, and I think about this assertiveness. You know, we wouldn't say Jesus was assertive. We may not use those words, but what does Jesus say? He speaks the truth. He is the truth. What we know about Jesus is there was no beating around the bush. You understood what was true. Or he would say, this is why I have come. This is why I am here. He made it very clear. You never had to, to guess. Now, sometimes Jesus taught in parables to make you think, but he always spoke the truth. That's assertiveness. I want the truth to be known. And in relationship, you need the truth known. When you think about kindness and respect, Jesus didn't just speak the truth. He spoke the truth in love. 
the way that he treated people, the way that he cared for people, the way that he spoke and expressed love. It was kindness and respect and grace. When we think about active listening, I mentioned earlier the, the questions Jesus asked. He wanted to know. He wanted to get you to think. He wanted to, to create this dialogue. Jesus did that over and over again. And then I think the most important thing we see in, in Jesus is empathy. How did Jesus show empathy? He didn't stay content to stay up in heaven. He said, I want to come and I want to be in person. He came and he became flesh. He became flesh and blood. And then how, what did he do? He, he literally tried to understand our position. And then he took our place on the cross. So much so that I want to build a relationship. I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to carry your burdens. I'm willing to take those things on. And when he did, what did he create in us? Freedom and hope and life. Communication creates a bond. And Jesus says, I'm going to continue to be with you through my spirit. Talk to me. Pray with me. I'm always there with you. It creates that bond and connection. And I long for that for us in our relationships. And I know those communications can, can break down, and over time they lead to arguments and fighting and challenges. We're going to talk about those, those next week. But if we begin to practice some of these skills, just assertiveness and kindness and respect, actively listening and practicing empathy, it's amazing how many things you can avoid that don't ever get to be major problems because you're dealing with things up front, forthrightly, and in a positive and respecting way. Let me close with this verse in Psalm 19 and just asking God to, to guard our words. Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for demonstrating your amazing love for us by not just communicating with us, but communing with us, God, by becoming flesh and bone, walking among us, by showing us the way, God, by taking our place on the cross, by showing us what it means to lay our lives down for each other. You did that for us, Lord. Help us, God, in our most important relationships. Help us in our marriages and in our friendships, God to have open lines of communication where we speak with kindness and respect, where we can let others know what we're dealing with, where we can hear with ears that try to understand and, and feel. And God, that that bond would grow richer and stronger because we are known and loved as we are, we're understood. Father, I pray for healing in the conversations that are taking place in our homes and with those we care about and in our marriages. And God, we ask your presence in them. God, may what we say and do be pleasing to you. May we nurture these relationships, God, to make them all that you've created them to be. Would you bring healing? Would you bring forgiveness? God, would you make a way where there isn't a way? Would you come and draw near and close to us? We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.